Hello, and welcome to the Happy You're Here podcast, where we share tools, techniques, and ideas to help you live a more fulfilled life. In this episode, we welcome Orion back, where we're going to talk about mindfulness and how that specifically has to do with recovery, um, but also just living a good, fulfilled life. Let's see. Refuge Recovery has been a fantastic um, part of my my recovering process and seeing other men, how they're coming to consciousness. A refuge Recovery is a Dharma-based recovery program. Uh, Noah Levine kicked it off, and um, it's a great read. He had a lot of experiences with um, addiction and recovery. I did AA for a chunk of time. I was going twice a week, and um, that was in my 30s. And what was interesting was it wasn't until about a year ago when I started my recovery process from alcohol that I realized that I was going to an addiction recovery group and smoking as many cigarettes as yeah. possible I, and drinking as much coffee as we yeah. could. Yeah, you're just replacing it with other... Yeah, we were uh, totally getting ripped on it. It's just crazy. And I was like, holy shit, I didn't even think about that. that. Was the, that was the I went to one AA meeting ever. When I first recovered, I avoided it like the plague because I just had all kinds of conceptions about I could just do it myself, just pull myself up yeah, by the pain yeah, lights yeah. or whatever. Uh, and luckily, uh, after you know struggling with it for a very long time, that actually did happen. But then... I relapsed again a few years ago, last year, and went to an AA meeting finally. And yeah, I was chain smoking cigarettes out back. And I was, as I'm like commenting on the fact that like, oh, we're just replacing one addiction with another. I op- opened up another cigarette, like my third one in like five minutes. Yeah. And everyone else is doing the same thing. And I was like, I don't know that these this is the place to learn what I'm trying to learn here. Because that was the first time I had recovered. I The first time I had abstained, for three years, I was abstaining, just white knuckling it, you know, uh, not talking to very many people about it. And it eventually just, as soon as something in my life kind of hit me the wrong way, I just toppled down. This time around, it's been much more, not even going to, you know, I, I've been doing a lot of Dharma study stuff just by itself, not even in reference to recovery, but that's been really helpful in general. And it's allowed me to really look at some of those those things, those thought patterns and stuff, um, those clouded refuges that I used to seek or I still have a pull to seek. I recommend that to like everybody. <laughs> but obviously some people are a little put off by the whole Buddhism thing. And like I try to explain to people it's a philosophy. There are religions kind of based around it, but the original teachings are just a philosophy. Yeah, uh, It's just a way of training your brain to look at your own brain, basically, yeah. and your own existence. And... It's a really amazing thing, and it can totally be compatible with whatever your other religious beliefs are. Totally. It's um, it's like what you, you learn to watch the shit show of your mind. <laughs> yeah. You just sit there, and you watch it, and you don't react to it, and you yeah. practice, and you just keep starting again and practice again and again and again. I'm a recovering Catholic, right? And that <laughs> didn't give me many tools. Yeah. But um, it gave me some some concepts Mm-hmm. You know, love one another as you love yourself and forgive the, forgive them for they do not know what they do. Those are some great concepts to, to just, they're, they're unanimous yeah. um, amongst all religions. Like this is the basic core. You call it what you will, but it's just good living, right? Right. I've got a friend who teaches mindfulness. He's a Dharma teacher here in town at the Mindfulness Outreach Initiative. Is that Jonathan? John? <laughs> okay, Jonathan yeah. Woodside. Yeah, I've been going there. That's, right. Yeah. I at once, you know, we spent some time together and I'd ask him, I said, Jonathan, what is mindfulness? Is it a mind full? You know, just so busy and full because that implies you got a busy mind. And he yeah. says, it's a mind full of awareness. 
Mm-hmm. And that's really what you are. You're just aware of what you're choosing, yeah. how you're choosing to respond rather than react. You'll start to notice things when you start to sit with yourself and watch that shit show that is your mind um, play out in front of you and explore it and give yourself a big permission slip to actually um, not be too hard on yourself. That's the, that's the biggest thing that I've learned from it, uh, especially recently in practice, is this self-compassion. Everything is cause and effect. Yeah. That's kind of one of the core tenets of it, of reality, <laughs> however you come to that reality. And everything that you think or that you act is because some, it made sense at some point. It doesn't have to continue to, but like to attack it and say, this is bad, this is bad, this is bad, is to try to suppress it. And we all know that over time that just gives things more strength when they're in the moldy shadows and they have all of the like dampness to feed off of, whether it's sections of our society uh, or it's parts of your brain or your parts of your behavior that you're trying to not look at. Yeah. Uh, it just gives it more strength over yeah. time. You need to practice a little loving kindness to yourself. And that, that goes a long ways. I'd heard that the greatest gift that you can give your children or anyone on this planet is taking care of yourself. And that is a daily practice. Yeah. It's a daily ritual. You know, how do you do it? What do you do? What are you putting in your body? How sober are you to yourself? Sobriety has been really tagged on to drugs and alcohol, you know, but we need to be, well, I'll say it this way. I've been practicing being more sober as to the choices that I'm making. Like, what am I consuming? Mm -hmm. Am I consuming a lot of angry news? Like, Whoa, you remember when you were younger, you watched America's Funniest Home Videos, right? Yeah. People were getting hurt. And we're, ha, 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 that's Mm -hmm. so funny. But somebody's getting hurt. Yeah. And we fed off of that. And we were entertained by others and their pain. Yet, just a couple months ago, I found myself on a YouTube channel. I think it's called Greatest Fails or something like that, or Fail Army. And these people are just getting hurt. And I thought to myself, why am I watching this? Yeah. I have a whole episode on that about how you mirror the media that you consume and yeah. you should be, it's helpful to be mindful of that. I have a problem where I'll watch really depressing, sad shows all the time and then I'll get really sad and depressed and it's like, why am I so sad? And it's like, oh, yeah, because <laughs> that's all I'm watching. And, yeah. and we have a tendency to mirror what we see in other people and media, we mirror that the same way. Yeah. And I love movies. Movies are, are I love to go to good movies and I used to love a lot of action movies, you know? And I was watching a movie with my wife and it was pretty intense. I don't remember what it was, but there was a lot happening. Like there was, you're just completely overwhelmed. Uncut Gems? Because that was intense. (laughs) No, I am not going to watch that. No. It it just gave me anxiety for like three weeks. Yeah, exactly. Right. It tunes you. You're being tuned by the experience. Like if you spend time with somebody in a room is just kind of quiet and smiling and speaking very well and eloquently, that feels good. Mm -hmm. But if you're watching somebody, you know, die on screen or be stabbed or hurt, Mm -hmm. what happened to society that we thought that's okay? Yeah. And we watched this movie and she was like cold and shaking. And I spent a year and a half as an EMT and I'm, she goes, I don't feel so well. And I, checked her out and she was in shock. So we leave movies in shock. And, you know, we said the other day, we were watching a movie like last year, I think it was the new Blade Runner. And we we thought, wow, this is a really good movie. And only two people died. Only one person got their head cut off and the other person (laughs) drowned. And we thought, we said, why is that okay? Yeah. Why do we say that's, oh, only two people died in a gruesome way. It's it's the standard that we've 
set, especially in American movies, it's it's it reflects the culture. We're a violent culture. Oh yeah, totally. And we've always been that way. Yeah. And think doesn't it mean can it has change. to always be that way. Yeah. yeah. There's a great book called Ishmael. I don't know if you've ever mm-hmm. read that, and I wish I had the the author of it. But basically, the premise is is this guy's looking for a job and he sees this ad in a paper and he responds to the ad and goes to this strange room in a strange building. And there in that room is a giant gorilla behind glass. And that gorilla's name is Ishmael. And he starts to communicate with this guy telepathically Hmm. and talking about just all the things in life. I mean, um, exactly what we're talking about right now. Why are we warring? Why are we such a violent violent you know entity on this planet well we're 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 creating all of it yeah we're always creating it by the movies that we're making by how we lead our our children this is what we're doing right now right now at this point on this planet and yeah we're screwing it all up but it's perfect because eventually you've got the chaos and then it all crumbles and then it has to start again and the younger generations are on it man they're yeah. on it. They're getting woke early. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing talking to these, out. like, what are they called? Gen Z? <laughs> the, yeah, the, yeah. They, I uh, was friends with one who's 18 years old. He just had went to college. Um, and I'm 28 for reference. Not that much older than him, but a decade difference. And he was already fully aware and living the things that I'm just now figuring out. And I'm like, that is so great yeah. <laughs> it feels really good to see that happening because it feels like oh there's this promise of yeah. of this taking hold in bigger ways i'm part of illuminating hearts and what we do is we uh use gongs and didgeridoos and our voices and just other ancient instruments um, we call them the most ancient instruments of the future to help create a space for people to drop into their parasympathetic nervous system so get still get quiet and find healing and holing. And when we say that, we know the body comes online, it feels the resonance and it, the cellular structure comes back into activation. And when cells wake up or are happy, they heal things. Mm-hmm. But when we're stressed and moving and go, 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 we can't heal. So we go on tour every year and sometimes we go to these off the grid farms where they have these woofers. It's a world organization of you know farm workers and you can kind of like, bounce from farm to farm all around the world working as a youngster. So we were meeting these 19, 20 year olds with parents that never gave them, they never had got shots when they were born. And some didn't have TV until they were 15 or 16, you know, or lights for that matter. And they were living like off the grid and oh my gosh, they just had these big white glowing eyes and their skin was just fabulous. And they were all smiles and they hadn't had the, toxicity that we grew up with you know the fear of being snagged from a park or now the fear of being stalked online or having you know just all kinds of craziness not to say that stuff didn't happen but it's it's a lot more prolific now yeah well and i think the data doesn't show that it actually is but the way that our media and the way that we've become overprotective in a lot of ways. I mean, that's kind of been a trend, I think, in parenting for a very long time, uh, at least in the last couple generations, um, which isn't not, I think we confuse love and caring with not teaching our kids how to 
interact with and making them afraid of everything basically yeah. which is not a healthy way to interact with the world because someone i used to work with he's a, a youtuber and he he's talking about how you should never be afraid of strangers and he's like we're raised a lot of us to not talk to strangers and yeah. it's like strangers have everything you want strangers are your next girlfriend they're your next business opportunity they're your next next best friend they're like literally everything so like the fact that we train kids to never speak to strangers is a travesty because strangers are our community. Yeah, uh, They're strangers until they're not. But if you're just con- always afraid of everyone around you, that's no way to live. That's terrifying. Well, when we get into the idea of protecting ourselves, right, and our parents want to protect us and we're trying to – our society is trying to protect us for you know at some some level we close ourselves off to the possibility of opportunity yeah and you know the more you put up walls and the more you hang your head and put your hoodie up the less likely you are to have to catch the next opportunity that presents itself and it's like you said it could be your next partner that stranger you can practice all all you want by sitting on a pillow and meditating you can practice by reading you can practice by attending other groups and working on yourself that way but i've come to learn that the real work is in relationship and relatedness because that's the only way that you're going to see your own bullshit yeah is through your partner and then you learn how to take accountability for that and once you can start to take accountability for everything that you're dishing out and see what you're creating then you can really change. I don't even think it has to be your partner necessarily. They're obviously the one that's the most intimate with you, but all of your relationships can be a mirror to show you those parts of you that need the healing, need the the attention. And that's the interesting thing about mindful practice in general is that, and people, it's kind of hard to conceptualize if you've never experienced, just by looking at the thing, a lot of the times it has a tendency to dissipate its power. Mm over you, you know, because you're not allowing it to be the driver, you know, you're just acknowledge, but, but it's weird because you're not shoving it down. It's, yeah. it's not, you know, you're looking at this thing and thinking, this is bad. I don't want any more of this. You just kind of look at it and you try to understand it with compassion and it just kind of goes, oh, okay. Yeah. That's all I wanted. Yeah. Well, we're trying to measure it, right? We're trying to measure it based on our past experience. This is the way I did things, right? Mm-hmm. I looked at data. What did data say? And what has my experience told me? And How do I measure this against something else? Does it feel good or does it feel bad? What I've learned is I'm only measuring, this my wife says this, Astara, she says people only measure to the level of of their consciousness. Mm. You only can measure up to the level of your consciousness. Once you stop, you know, you can't accept this as a possibility or you can't accept the fact that you were a creator and you're creating this and responsible for all of it. You'll stop to measure and you'll start to blame and you'll play the victim. Like this happened to me. Mm -hmm. But when you start to shift it all and say this happened for me, your level of consciousness is shifted. It's one of those things that just mindful living in general and learning how to take that beyond the mat into your everyday life. That's where the real growth happens is, I mean, obviously there's plenty of growth that happens actually training your your attention and training yourself to think in that non-judgmental way towards yourself and others that happens on the mat. But the real profound stuff seems to happen and i'm relatively inexperienced probably and i can't wait i'm excited to see how just the amount of change has happened for me in the last couple of years and in the last couple of months of getting really really serious about the practice and specifically about carrying that practice out of my room out of my house into everyday life into the conversations that i'm having thinking and, and observing the patterns of conversation i'm having and why is it that i turn my key this way and this way it's just really little things that 
I find myself noting that it is a concept in, in mindfulness meditation called noting where you, I just, am always like noting and then following that up in everyday life saying, that's interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it really is. It's exciting to like get that excited about all of the little tiny things going yeah. on at any given well, moment. There's something that helped me in that practice of noting and recognizing and not holding judgment. So this was like one of my first activities in shifting my consciousness and my uh, judgment patterns. So as you drive, as you're driving on the road, this is where the rubber meets the road, literally. As you're driving and someone cuts you off, mm. you're feeling that, or someone's doing something strange and you don't approve, right, of their driving. And so that's when road rage starts to happen. You go, ah, and you're like really tightening. You can notice your body tightening. Next time you feel that, recognize that and say out loud, good driving, man. Because think about it. That person may have cut you off and cut other three or four other people off. I just experienced it just last week. I watched this guy blasting through and actually the guy in the passenger seat was leaning out the window, flipping people off and he had a glazed over look. And I'm like, wow, this is really interesting. But the thing to think about is that person is really quite a good driver. I know, yeah. They didn't crash into you. They didn't crash into the next person and off they went. So celebrate that. Say, good driving, man. Thanks for not crashing into me. Yeah. And then just make space for yourself. This is creating boundaries. This is, you know, it's learning to love yourself to a new place rather than love yourself or hate this moment into anger. You can take a breath, watch yourself react, watch yourself tighten. And then let go. Traffic is an amazing teacher. It's a, such a great time. <laughs> Technot Han said, oh, you Americans in your traffic, so many opportunities for meditation. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. It's great. Um, okay. So where can people connect with you if they're interested in connecting with you? Um, and is there any other things you'd like to shout out before we... Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you can connect with me uh, until I get my personal website going on for the the man group that we're going to, I'm going to put together. I don't know. I was just telling you, I was thinking about calling it mantra as a mantra, but call it man.tra because we all have a voice. And once we start repeating to ourselves that we love ourselves un- unconditionally, starting a new mantra... Um, that's when we'll change our manhood and uh, we'll come into new being. So look for that in the future, man.tra. You can find me at illuminatinghearts.love and I'm Orion. All right. Thank you, Orion. Yeah. And one of the future interviews that will be coming out is specifically about illuminating hearts. So we'll cover that a little bit more, go into the sound alchemy stuff a little bit. Um, I think that'll be an interesting conversation as well. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Have a wonderful time. Thanks, man. Happy to have you here. Thanks for having me. Be well. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Happy You're Here podcast. Uh, Like we said at the end of that episode, he shared a little bit of uh, what he's working on, and I will link that in the show notes below. Look forward to next week's episode is going to be Orion and his partner, Astara, talking as a group, as Illuminating Hearts, about sound alchemy and some other healing work. This is part of me trying to bring together multiple modalities of healing, you know, certain things resonate with different people. And uh, I just want to share stuff that has worked really well for me, worked really well for people that I know, and just kind of share as much information that I can so that you can kind of make those decisions for yourself, what might be helpful for you. So thanks for listening and happy you're here. See you in the next episode. Mm